So first up, as if by magic, this meeting is being recorded. Um, so this, uh, we do reserve the right to uh, to share this wider on uh, on social media. So um, we should do that. The topic is CMMC and GCC High. If that's not what you're expecting, you're probably in the wrong place and you might want to drop off. Um, we're, we're making the assumption that most folks here know as much as they need to about CMMC. This is really about how how GCC High plays into that whole CMMC conversation. So we're not gonna spend much time explaining CMMC. Um, this and every webinar is far better when it's interactive. So if you're presentable and even if you're not, jammies and cosplay, uh, you know, welcomed, please turn your cameras on. Um, otherwise it, it gets quite dry for the, for the panel. Um, you know, we'd much rather see reactions and um, and those types of types of things on camera. So if you can, please turn your cameras on. Um, I want to reassure folks, there is no sales pitch here. We have folks from various organizations that have volunteered their time to uh, to share some knowledge and some insight. That's, uh, that's our agenda. Uh, my agenda here is to make this a bit more fun than it sounds. So uh, I'll try. Um, the questions, the questions are at slido.com. I've put the URL in the chat if anyone wants to add some extra questions. We did have some to start and we've built some themes around that just to get the conversation going. I'll be keeping an eye out uh, for more uh, questions as they come in. Um, so next up, panelist introductions. So bear in mind, all of these guys have lots of letters after their names, so I'm not going to go through all of those. but. Um, Dasha, she's uh, president and founder of Stealth Group. Uh, we are a candidate C3PAO company, so we know a bit about CMMC. Dasha's a provisional assessor, CISO, that type of thing. She's ex-Navy, so there's going to be a slight kind of military theme in here. Uh, Tony Buenga, he's a CMMC strategist and provisional assessor at Redspin. Um, they're an authorized C3PAO company as well. VCSO, um, 20 years experience working with NIST in federal um, Ex-US Air Force, so Battle of the Forces. Um, Inno, founder and chief architect at Net Security Corp uh, with a specialism in forensics and cloud security. So he knows a hell of a lot about GCC. Hi. Uh, Matt Titcomb, CEO and senior info security consultant at Peak InfoSec. Uh, they're also a C3PAO. He's a CISO provisional assessor, ex-US Air Force. Um, Patricio Garcia, CEO and founder at Comp... Uh, Comply. Interesting spelling. Uh, I like. I like that. K O M P L E Y E. Uh, cybersecurity and assurance firm specialising in SOC two and assurance requirements. They're currently finalising their implementation of Office three six five G five. So they. Uh, this is kind of very real for them. So we we get some uh, actual insight there. So, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Mike Pedrick. He's uh, Stealth Group Vice President of Cybersecurity Consulting who's gonna take us on a, on a journey. Over to you, Mike. Thank you much, Rob. Um, panelists, it's really great to meet you. Uh, I'm honored to be sharing this space with you today. And hopefully we can have a little bit of fun with some of these questions. And to all of you who are attending, thank you for, for being here as well. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, I'll start out with an easy one, right? Um, we've, we've already established that we're going to leave the explanation of CMMC alone for, for the, the purposes of this webinar. We'll assume everybody's aware at least of what CMMC stands for and its purpose in our system and our environments, et cetera. I'm imagining there's a lot of 
you know, small to medium and even large organizations who are uh, just chomping at the bit to know what they need to do to be CMMC compliant. Uh, and so today we're going to focus primarily on Microsoft 365 and uh, the various levels of tenant that are available to organizations and what they mean in the broader scope of CMMC uh, compliance, or what we think they mean in this, in this case. So I'll play the part of a client right out of the gate, and I will ask anybody on the panel who wants to answer this, um, can you just confirm for me that as soon as I subscribe to Microsoft 365 GCC High, I'm done, right? That's it. That's all I got to do. Now I'm compliant. Is that true or not true? Uh, that, that's uh, out of the question. So uh, just to be, uh, just to uh, to get everybody up to speed, my name is Eno Aurora with Net Security. Um, it, it is, uh, so so uh, GCC High, just to put it in perspective, right? Everybody's familiar with the FedRAM, uh, FedRAM process, right? So the government basically says that uh, if you are trying to sell any services or provide any kind of cloud-based services, you have to have FedRAM compliant, right? So whether it's, it's, a, it's a low uh, categorization, moderate categorization, or high categorization, right? So the notion of GCC high is basically Microsoft FedRAM environment, cloud environment uh, that uh, have different levels, right? So you have low, you have moderate, and you have high. So just for clarification, the discussion here is basically um, if I am in the, or the question is, if I am in the, uh, the GCC high environment, am I done? And the answer is, you're not done, right? It's a starting point, right? So Microsoft has actually provided a lot of uh, 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 services or, uh, yeah, services or software in the GCC high environment, whether it's Office 365, whether it's uh, storage, whether it's communication, whether it's threat protection and monitoring and, and, and so on and so forth, right? So you still have to do a lot of configuration. You, ha you have to do monitoring. You have to do inventory of your assets, just like you would a traditional network. So uh, to, uh, to simply get into GCC doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you're compliant. It gets you closer, but you are not definitely compliant. So, yeah. so you know, what I'm hearing you say is that uh, subscribing to any version of Microsoft 365 gives you access to tools and controls and software and an environment that you can use toward your compliance journey, but not, it doesn't get you there automatically. No, no there, is no, there is no such thing in cybersecurity, right? So you have to do what? It, it, makes, it, it makes the process, your journey of compliance very easy, right? So again, it's an isolated, isolated environment that is separated from your day-to-day -day business operation. And it's mostly, I'm sure uh, some of my, my fellow panelists will, will talk about this, but the environment is pretty secure, right? U.S. persons, U.S. citizens providing support, uh, getting access to that environment. So um, you still have to do work, but by, by no means are you, uh, are you done with the certification process. Thank you. Yeah, Matt, thank I think you. I stepped on you. Go ahead. Somebody? somebody. Oh, that's Tony. So yes, that's a good point, and you just can't look at the technical implementation. As as you asked, Mike, at the top of this session, is uh, you know you implement it, you're done. Uh, no, you're not done. Um, basically, you had the car mechanics, right? They set up the car. Your admin folks, it's it's ready to go, but you got the people who need to drive the car. 
those folks need to understand how to safely drive that car. So now you need the proper policies, procedures in place um, to ensure that you are actually protecting that CUI as you're, you're conducting your work within that secure environment. And that's what GCC High and Azure Gov, which is a part of that, does for you. It sets up that secure enclave so you can actually protect CUI when, when you're conducting your work. And one of the other areas, you know, you know, and Tony have kind of hit it is that shared service part. You know, Tony's been through it. He's already developed his customer responsibility matrix, which everybody who's an OSC, C3PAOs and, and construction companies are gonna have to develop. And what do you know and Tony were saying is all that stuff you've got to do, you still have to document how you've done it and where Microsoft for in this case is not responsible for, you are. And if you haven't done that part, you're not gonna pass your assessment. So Matt, so Matt in other words, what you're saying, the whole policies, procedure, the security awareness training, even the day-to-day -day monitoring of logs and um, you name it, all those requirements, setting up the passwords, all that, it still needs to be done and it needs to be done mm -hmm. on a daily basis. So basically GCC High is a foundation that you can build on top of everything. Correct. That's and that, that, let's say you were just still within commercial and you were encrypting files, you found some way around it. You still have to do that same thing. If you're using Cisco Meraki to do your firewalls, you still have to do that same thing. So, and that's something a lot of people look at when they look at the price for GCC and GCC high. Well, it's more expensive. There's other work still related to that, but there's also a lot of other synergies and total cost reductions you get within just sticking within one main provider. So really quick, I wanna to touch on a point that you guys are making and just for clarity, added clarity for folks. Uh, a lot of organizations have signed up with Microsoft or with service providers, et cetera, with the idea that they're just getting everything in one package, right? To include compliance, governance, and, and risk management. And for better or for worse, sometimes they're told that that's what they're getting. Um, what's your take on that? What's your take on whether or not uh, that's, you know, what, what role does that play for organizations that are seeking uh, CMMC compliance. So, in our case, from a practical perspective, and uh, we've been uh, implementing Office 365 and G the G5 environment. Uh, and when we work with Microsoft on the, the placement, right, with all the list of controls and practices, all, all the 130 practices to achieve level three, uh, we identify uh, three things. You already mentioned that we need to uh, document policies, procedures to, to support what we do uh, uh, before not only uh, or the auditor, but also to, to make sure we are operating effectively those controls over time. Um, within the 130 controls, we identified that 24 of them uh, were actually addressed directly by Microsoft. 69 practices uh, were actually share, a shared responsibility between Microsoft and ourselves. So that's the, the shared responsibility matrix that uh, I think Matt was uh, mentioning uh, a little earlier that you need, uh, every organization needs, needs to go through and confirm uh, all the processes and procedures that need to be implemented on that side. And then there were about 43 or, or so uh, additional practices that every organization need to address uh, separately. 
So that, that has been our journey, right? So we are finishing up uh, uh, with that understanding thing. Uh, we built up uh, our uh, risk and shared responsibility matrix. Um, and as, as you guys said, uh, building up a strong procedures uh, behind the, the policy itself has been uh, a journey, right? So that's, uh, that's an insight there. Thank you, thank you for that. Um, you know, I wanna ask a, a quick question, uh, again, from the perspective of a client, right? So I have a 365 tenant today. Uh, it's in the commercial space. I've had it for quite a while. Uh, and I've just found out about CMMC, right? Haven't been paying attention a whole lot recently, just found out about CMMC. Um, what do I need to do? What is, what's the eligibility for uh, the, the government cloud variants of Microsoft 365? Great question. Uh, so, but I want to, I want to, I want to uh, touch up on the, uh, the previous question you made. Yeah. So whether CMMC becoming, putting your devices or your services uh, uh, in uh, CMMC automatically qualifies you for compliance, I'm sorry, GCC high. It's similar, the, the, the analogy I can give is you have a, uh, you bought some firewalls, routers, switches, and, and Microsoft systems, right? And um, you deploy them on the network. Are you, are you secure? No, you have to do the day-to-day -day, uh, 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 operational practices, the operational controls, the technical controls, and the, uh, the management controls. All of those things have to be working like a well-oiled machine, right? So that's the point I wanted to make. Sure. Uh, now, your, your question is, uh, what, is the, uh, uh, what is the process of getting into the CMMC, uh, uh, the, GC, the GCC high tenancy, right? Is it available to everybody? And the answer is no. I hate to say this. There is a process to get into the GCC high, right? Uh, even for government agency, there is a process for them to get into a GCC high. Now, for commercial entities like ours, because we recently got into it, even after 10 years of partnership with Microsoft uh, and doing, doing work with the, uh, with the government, DOD, and, and commercial entities, you have to be vetted by Microsoft, right? So you have to basically, they will call you. Uh, they will call you and verify to make sure that you're a legitimate business entity in good standing. And then they will also ask you uh, to uh, basically get a sponsorship for, from a government agency. Right, so this is typically companies you do business with. They may be able to write you a letter, or um, in our case, because we have several contracts with the government as prime, we were able to, uh, you know, to, uh, to 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 show that, which demonstrated our eligibility to be in the uh, in the uh, in the GCC high environment. So just because you are a partner of Microsoft doesn't automatically guarantee you access. Right, you have to be vetted. After all. This is, a, this is an environment, right, where, um, where government, uh, where government uh, pretty much is an environment that has been initially developed for the government use, right? So they, don't, they want to be selective on who will get access to that environment. Again, I repeat, non-US person. I don't know if I yeah, answered your question. Yeah, basically for DOD contractors, that should be a relatively simple process, especially if you already have the, the DFARS flow down in any contracts you're on. So that should be relatively simple. Now for like Eno and myself, um, as, as C3PO's, we needed to, you know, we, we went with GCC high as a C3PO. It, at the time it was, it was relatively difficult until they realized that 
they needed to relax the parameters a bit, eligibility requirements for us, because we weren't part of any DFARS cause slowdown, but you probably make the argument that we are contracted with the DOD as a C3 PAO to conduct assessments. So, so they, that's where you probably saw some relaxing of the eligibility requirements. So we could, you know, Eno's nodding his head there. So we could actually um, develop our secure enclave using GCC high. Right Another advantage of, of a C3PO using GCCI, now we are a user, right? We're not only, um, you know, that one of those commercials, we're not only the, the owner, but we're the member, right? <laughs> so we're, we're actually driving GCCI ourselves as a member, not just the, the shop owner. <laughs> right, right. Like that old uh, hair club for men commercial, right? That's the one I was trying to think That's of. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That one, exactly. <laughs> not just a client, not just a, an owner, but also a client. Exactly. That's that's what I was trying to refer to. Right on. Um, so on that note, I mean, I feel like you opened the door for me. How do you feel uh, Microsoft 365 and, you know, specifically the government cloud variants? Because I know there's some truncation of the, the feature set for the 365 ecosystem. How well-equipped is that environment, do you think, for organizations that are seeking CMMC certification? Tony, Matt, do you know anybody? Uh, well, I, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but, uh, but you know, the one thing I want to say, though, is that uh, it, isn't, it isn't mature, all right? It is, it is not mature because uh, you know, think of the think of the GCC environment, GCC government environment, right? As being a um, a Fed ramp environment. It's gone through accreditation, right? That means as Microsoft develops new innovation that they want the government to to, uh, to consume, it has to first deploy to the commercial environment, right? Let everybody chew on it, understand it, you know. Uh, basically kick the tires. And then they will say, oh, now let's go through the FedRAM process again, because when there's a, a substantial change uh, in technology, you have to basically, you have to basically uh, 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 go through the FedRAM process, make sure those changes or new software passes through the, uh, the compliance process before they actually migrate to the GCCI environment. So if you're looking for that, uh, that cool, technology that is in, in the commercial cloud, you may be disappointed, right? Because again, when you call technical support, you are going to be dealing with a US person. You're not going to be dealing with somebody in India or Philippines, right? So resources in the US is, is, is short. So uh, from a maturity standpoint, uh, the, the GCC high environment isn't as robust as the federal, I mean, as the commercial. Nonetheless, is far more secure, in my opinion, than the commercial platform. No, that, that's that's right. Um, you know, Office 365 commercial, which most companies probably already have, you can probably meet the 171 requirements as a flat, you know, compliance. But once you start getting into CMMC or even meeting um, DFARS 7012, GCC, well, I mean, Microsoft 365 commercial just doesn't cut it. I mean, if you look at 7012, your, your commercial, that you're probably using in your normal normal business activities doesn't meet clauses E and F paragraphs E and F of DFAR seventy twenty, which is properly protecting your data and incident response. So now you're looking at some government version, which is three sixty five GCC and GCC high. Now the difference between those two is the GCC high is if you have those ITAR requirements, right? U.S. only personnel. So that's that. 
So if you don't have the ITAR requirement, the international traffic and arms, you know, regulation, um, you, you could probably get away with GCC, but most folks are, are sitting on the side of caution, I guess, and, and going up to GCC high as we did. We don't have ITAR requirements, but we just went with the GCC high. And if and a benefit of going from, and probably a question on here, why are we talking about this Microsoft GCC high is if, as I said, you're already using 365 commercial, more than likely you are, when you get into the GCCI environment, it's gonna look a lot like what you're used to in, on the business side. So that's one benefit of, of using GCCI. Thank you, Tony. I, I have a quick question here. So if it still does not address all of these, these the CMMC requirements, what, what options do companies have to actually get into or meet CMMC compliance? Because uh, earlier we talked about it there's it's a foundation it's a foundation to get you started but on top of that and i think you've uh met you just mentioned it incident response the whole monitoring the all of these things that pretty much need to be an add-on you may or may not get everything from gcc high but everything that is extra from the baseline you you're going to pay for it you're going to have to have the, the people sitting there doing it for you. And it's still part of it, your shared responsibility. So what um, it is, so I think we, we all agree that GCC High is not the solution for everything. So what, what's, the, what's the best approach that we can give companies to just really go for it or not go for it or to consider before they make that jump? Because it is, it is a difficult one. It's going to cost. And it's not going to solve all problems. So, so by default, we recommend starting off in GCC high. You're absolutely right. We have a firewall. I have to have a safe for anything like that. There's a lot of other stuff that they're not going to provide. That being said, for Peak InfoSec, we live and breathe in GCC high. SIM, everything else, alerting, incident, and uh, defender for endpoints. And I'm on a Mac. And our Linux systems are even tied to Defender for Endpoint nowadays. What we've seen in the work that I've done with the standards working group with the Microsoft team is we've worked with them a year ago. Yeah, I do basic stuff. In the past six months, what Microsoft is investing and in throwing into GCC high and accelerating, as Eno pointed out, that FedRAM process is insane and they just released, I just saw it this morning, Planner in GCC High. So they're quickly throwing things that are on the commercial side and putting them up, not only because we want them, DOD wants them. So again, there's pressure from DOD and their DOD cloud to use it. So to your point, Dasha, yeah, it's not gonna do everything. You need to have a firewall on premise. You need to have the ability to know how and respond to the incidents and alerts that pop up. but hands down right now, instead of getting piece parts everywhere, and on top of that, customer responsibility matrices, configuration, skills, et cetera, we just recommend start with GCC high or GCC. We do have clients that are in GCC, just because they don't have ITAR data. Um, start at the appropriate level and expand your compliance efforts out. Use that as your cornerstone of your foundation. 
So I want to I want to ask the question because we've we've touched on this a couple of times today, and I, I apologize. We can circle back to any one of these topics at any point in time, right? We've talked about GCC and GCC high, right? Um, or GCC high and GCC light or something. I don't know, however you want to refer to them. But anyway, uh, and that ITAR is specifically the delineation between uh, GCC and GCC high from a practical perspective. But I want to take a slightly different approach, right? We know that in order to reach, or if, if we're handling CUI, I'll say this a little differently. If we're handling CUI, level one, not going to make it. Right, we, we, we're not, our bar is not level one. Our target is not level one. We're looking more for level three. So I guess my question would be, can I seek level three compliance, assuming I have everything else, all my other ducks in a row, can I seek that level three compliance with a GCC tenant? Matt, you're, uh, I see, I see, Matt, we see yeah. you speaking. But yes, you so, so our client, they do architecture engineering work, no ITAR data, no. And we also got to remember ITAR data, when we talk about that, is a form of CUI called export controlled. And the GCC high enclave that's allowed to handle that export controlled is a US only enclave managed by US citizens that have met all the requirements around having access to that export controlled requirement. If you don't have that, go to GCC, okay? A lot cheaper because it will meet all of the CMMC level three CUI requirements. They accept the DFARS clause in there. Great, it's technically FedRAMP high, just like a GCC high is, but it just doesn't, you just can't bring in that CUI sensitive data in there. Otherwise, to our previous conversation with Dasha, there's still other stuff you got to do, both inside to make sure you're done and outside within your business. Mike, got a quick question. Sure. Um, for those people that might be listening that are small businesses, um, and they're looking from a cost perspective. Is GCC high the or GCC the only way I'm going to get uh, compliant, or is there ever a time that you would scope out and and develop a different path for an organization? Are, are there are there situations where you would say to the customer, no, GCC high is not the right approach for you, um, and we can accomplish it a different way? I don't, I don't think uh, it would be prudent for any uh, security consultant or any IT consultant, for example, to say, hey, thou shall use, uh, thou shall use uh, GCC high and GCC high long. Because there are companies, let's say Google, for example, or even uh, Amazon might say, hey, to hell with you. Why do I have to use Microsoft, right? I can use something else. And you can, you, you, I can bet you that Microsoft is accelerating they are offerings in GCC high because they probably they probably realize they are a monopoly right now, right? But pretty soon, other companies are going to follow suit, right? Uh, Google is going to make the argument that hey, we need to push for an a GCC equivalent platform under the uh, the the, uh, the Google uh, Google Cloud uh, platform. The same thing is going to apply to uh, AWS. So for for cost, I, I, I would not make the, uh, the the suggestion to customer that uh, GCC high is the only alternative. There are others. For example, 
you may you may uh, you may uh, you may pitch together different technologies whether they provide encryption whether they provide storage storage services whether they provide uh, uh, collaboration platforms you can piece them together but the challenge is that you are going to have to manage and meet all the requirements of 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 CMMC including the NIST uh, uh, 800-171 and uh, the new uh, newly published uh, NIST 800-172, right? So you're going to be doing all the monitoring, all the patch management, all the configuration, uh, uh, the cont continuity of business operation, the 24 by 7 threat and uh, threat monitoring, and the incident response. And so all of those type of uh, uh, services or security uh, uh, mechanisms or measures are a lot of them are share, uh, uh, taken care of by Microsoft, right? For example, they offer, you know, a threat monitoring or threat detection of some sort, and they have backup plans and encryption and, and DLP and, and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, so I would, as a consultant, would offer the customer the pros and cons, right? And so that they can make the informed decision to, to go one way or the other. If I could, if I could add something to it, um, the one thing that the CMMCAB or the DOD in general is also pushing is to take a look at your organization itself. How and where do you actually have your CY? So they recommend creating an enclave if you are able to do it to identify what is what are the processes actually of where your CY, FCI CY is. Who all has access to it? What is the flow of your data? How do you get it? How do you process it? How do you send it back out? Where is it stored? Because not every single time, or it, not a lot of companies might not need to move the entire organization into GCC High or GCC in general, depending on what they have. You can build, and that's a recommendation from the board, CMMCAB and DOD is, Build that enclave. If you can create a, here are the people, here are the processes, and create a solution around that rather than putting all, making your entire organization CMMC compliant, especially if you're a small business, you may have three or four offices, but it can get very expensive. So similar to the rest of cybersecurity defense in depth, find your what we call the golden nuggets. Find what is really valuable. In this case, it's the CUI information. Identify that and put the security controls around those areas, around those processes. Now, of course, there will be overlap. You may, for example, if you, I mean, you're gonna have firewalls in both areas, non-CUI and CUI, hopefully. You're probably gonna have incident response addressing both sides your commercial non-FCI CUI and then your CUI enclave, at least you should as a company. So there will be overlap, but when it comes to encryption, when it comes to the actual costs of, you know, how do I make it affordable as a small business? I think going with an enclave and building out those processes around it and the security around that is, is an approachable and hopefully an easy and a, I wouldn't say quick way, but at least a relative quick approach to go about this. Hey, Dasha, when you say enclave, you have to be careful when you say that, right? So uh, how are you defining it? Are you saying uh, an enclave is going to be GCC high environment and that's it? Or are you extending the, the enclave, right? Because keep in mind, when you build an enclave, right, 
you have people, right? You have staff or engineers or analysts that may need answers to that to that enclave. So the question to you is, how would you how would you protect that? How would you make sure that the data within that enclave that starts in GCC high in the cloud extends beyond uh, it extends to the boundary of your network? In other words, are you planning on issuing separate laptops to uh, to users that need access to that enclave? That are you going to avoid commingling of data, right? So those are some of the things that need to be uh, to be addressed. Exactly. Or... Yeah, and that that's why I was saying it's about identifying the processes, the data flow, the people that need to have access to it. I'm not saying it's a simple solution. I'm also not saying that companies will be able to do it because of how they run the business. But it's some, some definitely worth looking at it. Since can I do it? There might be small businesses that um, you know have for example, a commercial business running on one side and a federal on the other side. And they may, for example, just have, I call it butts in seats with the government themselves, and they never get a corporate laptop issued. You know, mm -hmm. there's different business requirements and operations you have to take a look at how to approach this best. And, and Dosh is absolutely right. When we start out with clients helping them with their assessments to understand that enclave or, you know, the term from 800-171 is what's internal. Follow the people, follow the processes, follow the information. The systems come last. Because when you start from a system-centric view, invariably what I find clients do is they're trying to just scope down to one device, one laptop, and try and exclude everything. But they don't understand, well, wait a minute. You could actually be getting CUI in the proposal phase from a DOD and a contract. Now it's not just the engineer, it's all the way back there. And you got Q and, and it's just, you start following it. And where we've had to do this, we unfortunately make people not happy because we break that model up. And then, then you know, to your point, based on once you kind of understand where that flow is, then we're pick piece parting components that fit best for that company. Thank you, Matt. Uh, real quick, I want to touch on some questions that we've received via uh, our Slido interface. Um, perfect time to ask one of these questions. The question is, I'm creating, or I suppose we start with a little bit of a statement, I'm creating a small FCI slash CUI enclave for the people that need FCI slash CUI access. And I already have Office 365. Do I need to move my entire business to GCC High? Now, I want to I tail onto this a little bit or add on to this particular statement. What I, what I want to have you guys address real quick, I think we've established that you can create an enclave and as long as that's where your, you know, in scope data lives, data processes, people, et cetera, and you have some level of demonstrable bifurcation between those two groups, sensitive and, and not, or, or FCI, CUI, and, and not. Um, what is the interoperability available for a GCC high and commercial entities? Are they separate tenants? Are they separated by domain name? What does that look like? Talk us through how that would look for a small organization that doesn't want to go all the way into GCC High. Uh, can you repeat the, I, I missed the question. Could you repeat? Sure. So from the perspective of an organization that already has a Microsoft 365 tenant, a commercial tenant, 
Yep. And I want to bring a portion of my organization up to up to up to code, so to speak, by having them in GCC or GCC high. What does the interoperability? Uh, what are the interoperability options for some in GCC and some in commercial? What What do you mean by okay? So okay, I think I understand what what they're asking, right? So you currently, which we do, right? We we are in commercial. Uh, Commercial Cloud, which is um, Commercial Office 365. And then uh, we are about migrating, let's say, uh, creating an enclave in uh, GCC High, right? So the question is, what is the interoperability, right? Of what, the system or the data or what? If we're talking about the data, there is zero. They are totally separate. All right. So if you're talking about, so, so if the data is separate, the applications, the software that run in, in both clouds are totally separate. So there is absolutely no interoperability in, terms, in, in those terms. So I don't know if I, I found I think, it. Aren't you addressing more like workflow and, and, and the entire organization being able to work together with multiple applications and they still have to get their jobs done and, and are, you know, share data that's not, CUI, how does that work between the systems? So, so it gets really, it gets to be a challenge, right? And this is what I've theorized, right? And this is, you know, I've done some thinking. And the way I look at it is, if you click creating an enclave like Dasha mentioned, right? So you have an enclave for GCC high, and then you have another enclave, right? Uh, for, for commercial, right? So my argument is, if you want to extend, if you really want to create an enclave for GCC high, then it has to extend. I think uh, I think it was Dave or uh, Tony or, or or Matt that mentioned this. It has to as it has to extend beyond the GCC high environment to the on-prem, which means that I hate to say this, but you would have to get another laptop, right, or a virtualized or containerized machine, right. So one for the GCC operation. So I will have two emails, right. One would be for the GCC or two. Or operational account, one for GCC and one for, for commercial. That is what I've argued, right? To really maintain uh, the, the uh, separation of the environment. So there is no, uh, there is no um, uh, notion of data, commingling of data, right? I, I, I'm interested in knowing what other people have to uh, yeah, that's, say. That's a good, that's a good point. And, and, and that's what I think the question really was getting down to. Yes, we've got two different technical systems totally isolated, but you got one person who at one point needs to be over here doing regular business. Then he, what do we call this? The swivel seat. He swivels his sweet seat over, logs yep. into this, right? The secure environment does the secure work. He's done, logs out, logs back in, whether it's a two different laptops or VDI environment, you know, that's another technical solution that we'd be looking at. But basically I think you're right, you know, it's like you're going to have two different systems, two different accounts, and you're going to have to do the swivel seat thing to go back and forth. Yeah. And we all we all know about some organizations that have this method, right? You know, you go to work, you're on a system, you go another walk, you're on a different system, and you come home, you're on a different system. So unfortunately, that's the uh, you know that is the requirement that uh, GC, uh, this this uh, uh, CMMC is posing. That that's not a requirement, actually. Well, it, it, it is. So, so that's a methodology to do it. We actually operate in a pure hybrid mode. Not only do we do GCC high, um, we've got access to uh, commercial clients and our commercial tenant. On top of that, 
we do a lot of other commercial work with companies where we've got email accounts for those, those clients that we're also consulting with. Right. Now, there is the technical approach, separate laptop. Uh, you can see laptops behind me. That's where clients have given me their laptop because they want to keep it separate. We're okay with that. And we operate her. I've even got virtual laptops I work off for clients. Some allow all the flexibility. So there's a lot of different ways to approach this, but you can also do this. And that is our, and our approach is policies, procedures, and training. And everybody works and everybody who is in that hybrid does go through additional training in their responsibilities to make sure that we keep them separate and operate accordingly based on that type of information and where it belongs. Now, that being said, as a C3PO, and I'm sure it's everybody here who's, you know, Tony's perspective is, I don't want your C CUI or sensitive information in my environment. I only want to maintain confidential and privileged. And then if it does get in my environment, I've got a spillage issue from you guys. So uh, we're in a little bit of a different, but the reality is you, an organization can work in both and have people that go from on high, that internal secure enclave, and still work and access content that is technically external, that is the rest of the company intranets. And it's just gotta be treated as the rest of that stuff is external and managed. So it, it comes down back down to policies, procedures, awareness, and people knowing what they can and cannot do. Um, there's different ways to skin the cat, to be honest, different technologies. Mm -hmm. Some will be probably more automated. Some will be a little bit more cumbersome when it comes to maintenance, when it comes to the swivel seat. But uh, it, it looks like it, it really depends on the, on the business, how they operate, in what kind of business they're in. Um, and it's not a cookie cutter solution where you can say, here, take this, implement it, and you're done. It's, it's really, it, it, the way I see it, it really comes down to understanding how your business works, the people that are in it, how much, how much data is being exchanged where and how, and then really trying to work internally or with a consultant or figuring out what is the best approach for you as a as a company can you does it make sense to go route a does it make sense to go route b because some of the things especially if you're working like um, matt said you may have multiple computers for different clients and we're in a similar situation we got vms we got laptops from client computers that no matter what we implement from a CMMC perspective, we still have to do the swivel seat. It's, it's not gonna go away, unfortunately. So one of the questions we have in Slido, um, and I'm gonna ask this specifically of our, uh, our esteemed C3PAOs, has Microsoft at any level gone through a CMMC assessment yet? I don't know. I don't know either, but I know the, the requirements from CMMC are if you're using, well, if you're using or if you're selling software as a off the shelf. Now, the question is, is the software, is this a service? Um, 
And honestly, I mean, we, we only got a few C3POs overall. And I think, um, Tony, you probably would be the very first one to know if an assessment has already been done, uh, because it would have to be done through DIPCAC at this well, point, or yeah, this, through your starting, company. Yeah, we're starting to get into the re reciprocity issue here. Um, Azure Gov, GCC, either FedRAMP certified. So now the question is, what what is the DOD going to do on reciprocity with respect to that? So with reciprocity, they wouldn't have to be level three certified, CMMC level three certified under reciprocity. It's going to tell us what practices and processes within CMMC does GCC High and Azure Gov meet. And that's what we're waiting on from the DOD. Now, when we passed our assessments, we got the letter from DCMA, Defense Contract Management Agency and CMCAB that we passed our assessment, but there's a caveat, had a star in there that said, we passed, but Azure Gov is not, does not fall under reciprocity, you know, they're waiting on reciprocity. So, but they passed this anyway and we became, we were authorized because that's a technicality at this point from my, in my opinion, but they did put that asterisk in there that, you know, note this, that Azure Gov is not yet under reciprocity with the DOD, even though it's FedRAMP. Uh, the discussions we've had with Microsoft on the standards group, with what Tony said, we all agreed with reciprocity for the infrastructure. The area that came up that they may need to be CMMC certified is actually the support staff. Because if you send content to them in their, um, their version of DOD safe, because you're trying to troubleshoot something and that's CUI, they have, and, and they kind of do have access to it to some degree, know how to handle and protect it. I think that would be spelled out under the reciprocity. At least that's my hope. <laughs> you know, what, what, what they need to do on their part, above and beyond anything that rest, their FedRAMP is going to provide for CMMC compliance. So from the perspective of a client, a small business especially, right? We're, we're living on you know, a shoestring budget. We've got enough money to subscribe to Microsoft 365. Uh, we're still struggling with some of the other licensing, et cetera, right? This is sounding really expensive, really, really expensive to a small business owner. Uh, what sort of guidance or advice would you offer for those organizations? Don't look at the licensing cost alone. Look at the total cost of ownership to maintain everything. As Eno pointed out, you can go get a lot of hodgepodge solutions. There's a lot more work and effort in hodgepodge costs that don't get accounted for when you just look at that bottom line price of a license. So think everything before you make a decision. The, the one thing I want to add uh, to uh, Matt's comment is uh, that um, you have to basically identify what it is you absolutely need to subscribe to, right? So it's so you have to do a uh, uh, you you have to basically uh, um, just oppose the cost of uh, of uh, uh, the uh, the Office 365 and the Office 365 GCC high. You have to compare and say, do I need storage? right? And for whom, right? Do I need storage? Do I need collaboration? Do I need calendaring? Do I need uh, threat protection? And so on and so forth. So 
of course, if you order everything on the menu, it's going to cost you a lot more money, right? So you just have to do that, uh, do that, do that math, right? And it may not be like to Dash's point, you may not necessarily need it for everybody in your organization. Otherwise, again, it's going to be cost prohibitive, right? Because now you not only have the GCC account, right? A subscription to pay for, but you also have the, the commercial uh, office 365. So, you know, you just have to do that calculation and, and, and reach, come up with the uh, solution that meets your business requirements. And I would throw in there, um, you know, when you're considering all of the technologies and services, you don't have to bring everything in house. You could outsource uh, some of that. A lot of times blending that um, outsource versus internal technologies is a more cost-effective way uh, to go. Yeah, but but if you are when you say outsource, where where are we talking? You are you outsourcing the underlying software that support the support the operation. Not, not just is GCC high, but let like we said, GCC high is the foundation. But you have other technologies. You need to do log management. You need to do endpoint monitoring, things like that. It might be better to outsource a SEM service from a managed services provider than it would be to try to buy that technology. And I agree, but I agree, but you have to now, you've now, in my opinion, you've now broadened your scope of, uh, of compliance, right? Now, so a third party is managing the software. Who, who are they? Are they in the US? Are they based in US? Are they, are they following a CMMC compliance? So it's, is it a whole, a whole uh, new can of worm? We don't know. So I mean, you have to take that into consideration, but your point is well taken though. Yeah, many, many small businesses and some of them I've been talking to, 100% of them are already outsourced MSPs. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so you're, you got to start from that perspective in some cases. And, and, and you're right, you know, okay, um, what's this MSP look like? They're doing everything for you. Infrastructure, log management, vulnerability management, your SIM, your SOC, everything. What do they look like? Now that you're getting into questions now, doesn't an MSP need to be CMMC level three? certified yeah now, <laughs> so now are you getting in a more can a big can of worms here yeah, yeah. but but tony um it, it could be that the managed service provider that dave is suggesting suggesting it's it's a cmmc themselves right so you are within the cmmc compliant i mean uh enclave yeah. or uh, yeah. uh, and, and they may have their services in GCC high that they're basically yes. just giving out to. Yeah. So it might be an indirect way to get the solution that you need and you might be able to combine it. So, Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We're actually working with a, an MSP right now uh, and they actually found that thing, right? So the, the very same thing. Uh, their customers need to get CMMC level three and, and because they, they are... Uh, Subservient organizations to them, they have to go through the CMMC level, uh, level three assessment themselves. So in that sense, uh, what an, uh, an MSP brings to the equation, it creates some efficiency, right? I, I don't have the expertise. It's the same thing with uh, for small businesses, they need to hire an external party that performs the, the CISO uh, type of uh, function because they are not the ones who, who may have all the knowledge to, to prepare the SSP or, or or to determine what is the best roadmap for the organization. So the, those two functions, the virtual CISO, the CISO itself, uh, the MSP, uh, I think you're gonna see a lot, uh, lots of them uh, within the, the, the process itself. And, and just to make sure everybody's clear, 
if that MSP has access to or manages anything that affects the system boundary, they are in scope per DOD. It's considered extending your IT to them. And now different approaches on how to handle that, whether you treat them as staff AUG, as Dasha pointed out, you give them one of your laptops and they have to do everything. But if it's their team, they are 100% in scope and have to be compliant. And frankly, I find more problems with MSPs and their practices than the clients I come in and consult with because they're using shared accounts and all types of bad things happening with them. So just you just got to make sure your MSP is a part of that team. They're in sync with you and themselves getting ready. Right. Exactly, because they eventually will also, when you get your CMMC, they will need to provide a lot of the evidence. If they're managing your, your domains, your accounts, your vulnerability management, they're going to provide the C3PAO company or the, the um, certified assessor the evidence, the vulnerability scans, the access logs, the reports, you name it, all of this. And if you don't have the right partner with you, they can satisfy that, then you pretty much just put your CMMC certification into the hands of somebody else that you may or may not trust or have not verified properly or don't. It's a risk. Let's put it. And we're back to risk management. Are you, are you managing your third-party risk? And, and Dasha, you just hit what I was going to say, risk management. Unfortunately, this is what I find. Companies overextend risk acceptance authority to the MSPs. They're not being informed. They're not being decided. That MSP is deciding, we just got this alert. Yeah, whatever, we don't care. And we're not going to respond to it. Or they make changes to your firewall. Case in point, I had one MSP decide to make the firewall accessible from the internet, the management interface, because it was easier for them couple major violations. So again, you have to be involved and have service level agreements and don't just trust your MSP with everything. You are extending your IT to them. That's, that's fantastic. A uh, comment from the chat that I think just deserves to be underscored is you can't outsource the accountability piece. Um, and just a, anecdotally, my background is in MSPs and I wholeheartedly agree that there's a lot of questionable activities in that space um, and, and sort of a general lack of maturity uh, from, from this perspective. So uh, yeah, guidance to everybody. If you are currently in a, a partnership with a managed services provider, they are all things IT to you. Um, start having those hard conversations, especially if you think uh, CMMC is in scope for you. And if they come back and say, well, we don't have to, um, don't walk, run away from that organization. Um, okay, really, really great conversation. I wanna make sure that we have time to address a lot of these questions. Um, and, and I think that one, one point I wanna expand on a little bit, we've already sort of touched on this, that there are alternatives to Microsoft 365. Uh, there's AWS GovCloud, for example. Uh, Google would be silly if they didn't try to uh, put something together in this space as well. Uh, Bob's House of Hosting probably thinks that they can play in this space. Um, my question for you guys, we've been discussing GCC High this entire time, Microsoft 365, 
um, and, and that platform. Let's talk for a hot minute about those organizations that have subscriptions to multiple public cloud platforms. Like they're using AWS for dev and they're using 365 for you know, internal collaboration and exchange and, and whatnot. Um, how does that look from the perspective of the CMMC uh, you know, candidate? How does that look from an audit perspective? Not good. <laughs> <laughs> Not good in the sense that, uh, uh, so we, we are in talk with a, uh, a, major, uh, a major company with, uh, with offices uh, uh, in, in, two con in two continents uh, and uh, they have a lab, right? They do work with uh, DOD. So they do some research and engineer uh, development for uh, as part of their, their practice, right? So now, not only will they get with this subscribe to uh, a, a platform like GCC High or some other form of uh, maybe hosting service that satisfy, uh, you know, the requirements of CMMC, but they would also have to, uh, you know, make sure the lab itself is really is is uh, has all the controls, you know, the the operational, the technical, the privacy, and the management controls implemented. Again. Again, like a, a well-oiled machine, right? So the environment has to be monitored. If, even though the environment is a lab, it has to be monitored. You have to uh, do threat detection, and it have to be it has to be isolated from the rest of the enterprise network, right? So you know that's why I said it's not you know it's not it's not it's not good because it's a, it's a challenge. But the organization is fairly large. But as you know, uh, defense contractors or even government contractors, we don't like to spend money, right? So <laughs> that's why it's going to uh, impose some difficulty. The other thing, they can do it, you know, much like, you know, we've got clients that are got clouds all over. It, it's going to come down to applying, going back to NIST 800-171, paragraph 1.1, logical and physical separation as appropriate. If, you can, if you're using AWS for your commercial side and commercial work, great. If you can isolate it, show you've applied those appropriate logical controls and you know, restricted it, awesome. The thing I find that most people don't realize, oh, we've got AD that manages everything. Oh, got it. That AD is now part of your system enclave and everybody outside can't manage it unless you now start to apply other management controls. So yeah, when you start small, but you get big to these global companies, it, much like, you know, we're working with one, it now changes and forces them, do we just go separate and build a separate enclave? Or do we try and figure out these internal management and logical isolation mechanisms that have to be implemented? All right. Um, specific to like AWS, AWS Go Cloud, for example, right? One of the challenges that I've seen with organizations in the past is that uh, um, organizations look to AWS as a competitor to Microsoft 365, but like, listen, there's not a whole lot that competes with Exchange, Exchange Online, right? There's a, there's a tremendous amount of market share with, with Exchange. And so I think there's a lot of organizations that have 365 for that purpose specifically, and then try to live in, in AWS from an infrastructure as a service perspective. Um, for those organizations, right? For organizations that have said, 
you know, hey, I'm going to keep my email separate, but everything else lives here, right? Um, now, we know, obviously, email is a huge opportunity for the sharing, inadvertent or otherwise, of, of sensitive data, right? So, in practical terms, we don't have to get too far in the weeds, but in practical terms, what would an organization have to do to make sure that their email was out of scope? Or can they? Uh, I, I, the, the, on, the only way I can envision is that uh, the, if the email is not in scope, then you have to come up with an alt alternate ways to, uh, to get information from the customer, right? Maybe relying on, you know, calling the customer, providing some kind of link, right? That is, that is, uh, uh, you know, similar, a secure link, right? Of some sort that they can upload file into and, and you can download file from or and vice versa, right? So uh, if, unless you have something like that, uh, even, even then it's going to be difficult, right? Because how do you collaborate? How do you, how do you maintain a chain? So if I'm sending email to Matt or to, uh, to uh, uh, Francisco, for example, how do I, is it, uh, Patricia, I'm sorry. How do I, you know, how do I make sure that they are in tune with that chain of communication? So it, it would be difficult to really uh, extricate uh, email or detangle email from from uh, the entire uh, rest of the infrastructure. Because after all, email it may have an attachment with sensitive information, like like you discussed, Mike, and uh, ultimately, which may ultimately end up in some of that storage device, right? So it's really an octopus, right? Almost. And I think saying to that, the, the problem with email is even though if you have your internal processes in place, you can control, you cannot control the external entity. They may, and sorry, in this case, we're still relying on the US government to a label the information correctly, which sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. Um, sometimes, and again, it comes back to users and their training. So you are relying really on the other party and you can't control them. Um, what I've seen with other companies already start doing is they have a specific email or inbox or way to communicate. And they start having that in their signature saying, you know, instead of that disclaimer, this information is only intended for these and these users. If you've received it, blah, blah, the, the whole disclaimer. And they are starting to have this. If you're planning to send us ITAR or CUI information, this email is not the right email, use this or communicate this way or whatever. So I think it's not gonna solve the problem, but I think it's at least a approach to educate the rest of the world or all of us to make sure that we, we know what we're doing. It almost, it almost wants to, it begets a question about internal or inbound relay services trying to trap known CUI, right? I mean, think of this as a reverse DLP where the DLP is looking for things like French passport numbers and social security numbers, et cetera, and takes an action uh, based on identifying that specific data set. If inbound relays could do the same and alert us to when that information is coming in, um, but unfortunately it doesn't protect before it hit our relay. So decent segue, one of our questions was, would having a DLP rule that matches on the CMMC marking guidelines be sufficient to put O365 out of scope of the CMMC assessment? No. Um, no. I agree. <laughs> now, 
Mike, just to be clear, with Microsoft 365, um, you can apply DLP rules inbound. So if it does detect the CUI marking labels or other specific keywords, you can actually have your system declare it as CUI. Now, likewise, let's say you were able to use, say, we're not going to do email at all, and you receive that. Well, technically what would happen is you've just, you've just had an information security incident of a spillage. You need to have a procedure now for when that got into your environment and now take corrective actions on dealing with that to include notifying the company who sent it to you. Here's the real problem. We're looking at email. What we're doing right now is covered by the voice over IP requirement in CMMC. So you have to use an appropriate Zoom Gov or something else for this type of collaboration if you're gonna be discussing CUI in a conference call. So again, there's a lot of capabilities out there you can do, and yes, use AWS to do some of these things. Be ready for all the potential areas where you may have incidents and spillage things that happen that you may need to correct on. Now, one good note, I'll give everybody a heads up right now. We met with AWS yesterday on the standards working group. Maybe later this week, I'm not expecting it. Next week, uh, AWS will be posting their version of the CMMC customer relationship matrix. Um, it's their initial draft. We had some very light feedback when they showed it to us yesterday. Um, but it's the first start, so you don't have to go off and create your own with AWS. Great. All right. Okay, so we talked about DLP. We talked about some specific tools. Um, from, a, from a Microsoft 365 uh, you know, commercial perspective, we, we very briefly earlier on in this session talked about how it's a, it's, there's an abbreviated feature set at the, uh, the GCC and GCC high uh, level as compared to the commercial product set. I think that was one of the things that was really working against those two tenant types in the, in the beginning. Nobody could use Teams. We couldn't use Teams for collaboration uh, because it wasn't approved for use in the GCC and GCC high tenants. And so people sort of, you know, resisted uh, those two those two um, tenant flavors. From your perspective, what I mean, what is the thing that you wish made the transition next? Right, we talked about Planner. Planner has made it over to GCC. What's GCC missing at this point? Fair game, <laughs> jump ball. <laughs> I've got two okay. bookings. Okay. Um, because it's great, you know, people want to schedule an appointment. I'd rather have that just run completely out of GCC and to do. Um, I love to do on the commercial side. I track everything. It can reach into planner and pull all that in. It's not available yet on GCC high. So for those that don't understand what bookings is, I'm assuming it's a competitor to something like uh, Calendly. Is that, is that right? Okay. Okay. Um, one thing I want to touch on, and that opens the door for me really, really well, is the 365 environment commercial side provides tremendous opportunity for integration with third-party tools 
uh, that are compliant, such as, again, Calendly or, uh, or FindTime. Um, that obviously presents a tremendous risk for GCC and GCC High, because obviously everything that integrates has to be at the same or a higher level of, of compliance and security, right? So what advice should we give to organizations that have leaned into integrating their 365 with third-party tools? My, my suggestion is uh, uh, get those third-party organizations to get on the bandwagon to get into the GCC, GCC high environment so that there's seamless in integration. You know, I mean, that would be the, uh, that would be, otherwise there isn't gonna be, you're, not, you're gonna be disappointed to find out that you won't be able to get access to Cavalry or any other calendar system or meeting planning system, uh, network or platform for that matter, right? Unless they are actually uh, in, the, uh, in the CMMC or it's part of your CMMC boundary. CMMC level three boundary, sorry. That's my take. One thing I would caution you with all those third-party integrations, they need to be documented in your system security plan as a part of your interconnections. Definitely. If you have not documented them in your system security plan as a part of your interconnections, and I discover them, oh crap. <laughs> Let's expand on that, Matt. What, what do you do? What, what does oh crap mean? At that point in time with unauthorized interconnections, I can't guarantee you're controlling the flow of CUI. And by the way, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that is the first question I'm going to ask as an assessor when I come in and I'm going to ask to see your interconnections, I'm going to ask to see your subcontracts, your third-party MSPs, all that is where I'm starting with. And if you can't show that you're controlling that flow of CUI, everything else doesn't really matter. Right. So in that case, you just mentioned it, documentation. I cannot emphasize that more and more. It's, it's so critical. I know, especially IT department, it's, it's not the most favorite thing to do. It's all about operations, but in this case, it's especially if you as a company are making any changes, document it right then and there. Because if you're going into CMMC, even two, three months later, you probably have forgotten or you're busy with something else. And by the time you have CMMC, you're ready for the assessment. It's going to be a pain to put all those documentations together. And we're not just talking about the SSP. Talk about policies, procedures, um, contracts, training of your people, um, understanding of what they can or cannot do with CUI, um, any kind of, I mean, really documentation. It goes back to people, process, and then the technology documentation as well. It, that is key. Um, we have seen it um, on our side, especially doing some pre-assessments as well, gap analysis at this point. It's okay, where's your documentation? Give me your updated SSP. Where's your, how do you control CUI? Very many blank stairs, unfortunately. It's, um, it's really, it's the starting point. Know where you have your CUI, where it's flowing and document the communication between the different systems that you have in place, especially with third parties. And I found as you move down the size of the company, it, it grows in the, the lack of documentation. So 
Yeah, it comes down to maturity, right? I mean, and, and a lot of organizations have been uh, contracting with service providers and, and consulting organizations that have been keeping the lights on, uh, but not really, uh, you know, guiding these organizations toward, again, proper documentation, proper policy preparation, uh, and, and adherence to best practices. I, I feel like you'll all agree with me that uh, the vast majority of cases where we've heard about or read about breaches or incidents or significant you know, deficiencies and defenses at organizations comes down to the basics. We are, we're not doing asset management right, or we're not doing you know, um, you know, third-party vendor analysis correctly, right? Or we're just not giving it enough priority. And so you know, as much as I feel like I might be getting a little preachy, CMMC is intimidating in that it's so comprehensive, but really what it is, is an attempt to just enforce that, that basic acumen, that basic hygiene and, and attention to, um, to you know, cybersecurity risk. So uh, we're getting a little bit, we're getting close to the end. I wanna make sure that we have time. If anybody has any questions, any burning questions, you know, get them into Slido or, or into our chat. And uh, I wanna make sure that we get them addressed. Uh, there, Sam has made a really, really great reference here in the chat most recently. Need to have monthly compliance reviews to stay on top of all documentation and changes. Um, you don't have to have 500 people or 5,000 or 500,000 people in the organization to set aside an hour, you know, just, hey, where are we? How, how are things looking? What are we missing, et cetera? So that's a, that's a really, really great, great recommendation there on Sam's part. I guess I'll, I'll give the floor over. We'll start, uh, we'll start with Pat. Um, is there anything you wanna you know, add to the conversation? Anything you want folks to know uh, regarding Microsoft 365, CMMC, et cetera? Uh, well, basically sharing our experience, right? So uh, we have uh, mentioned during several points uh, of the webinar uh, that we need to understand where information is located. That's the most important part. Uh, we need to understand uh, how the information uh, flows through the organization system, where is the store, uh, where are we transferring it? So that uh, initial understanding, as Matt mentioned earlier, is, is really important because it really defines uh, the entire work of, uh, of and the scope of our work uh, as, as organization and then the scope of the audit itself. Uh, and advice from, from a high-trust type of process, they, they have a similar type of maturity. Uh, let's you know, try to, to reduce the scope as much as possible. Try to use the enclave uh, concept as much as possible. Uh, that, that's gonna be you know, really important for organizations, especially small businesses. Agreed, totally agree. Tony, um, anything you wanna contribute? Uh, yes, back on the um, you know processes and procedures when it comes to managing GCC high, um, your SSP needs to articulate for those specific practices with respect to uh, a GCC high, and, a, and you need to clearly state the responsibilities between the, the parties. Um, so it's not just as we said, okay, we just threw this all over Microsoft. We implemented GCC high. They're going to do all this. We're going to do all that. Well, you need to clearly define the this and the that um, because sometimes um, it's not always um, clear who's doing what. So there, there are some pieces that where 
you got to clearly define who's doing what. So it's just not plug and play when it comes to implementing the technical side of GCC high. You still got those processes and procedures that you need to need to have in place. And when you go through the assessment, you will have to know where some of those Microsoft knowledge base articles are. <laughs> Um, so, it's, and I, I recommend what we did is we had it in our SSP. Okay, these are the ones that we refer to when we have to, we have some problems, right? Because we didn't write our own procedures. Microsoft wrote them for us. If they wrote them for us, we better know how to find them. So just keep that in mind. Okay. All right. You know? Well, there's the notion of following, following the CUI, right? You know, to, uh, to, um, uh, Patricio's uh, point and previous point made by some of the other panelists, right? You have to follow the, uh, the, the flow of the CUI. Who is getting access to it? Where is it stored? How are you monitoring it, right? It's not sufficient to say, oh, uh, John or Dave is monitoring, it has access to the data, right? You have to monitor all those activities. There is going to be cost in associated with uh, CMMC uh, compliance. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be cost, but, uh, you know, it will make you really, make your organization really, really competitive, right? So, uh, but, uh, you know, things that organization may consider is managed service offering provided by CMMC vendors, right? Or outsourced forensics or incident response capabilities. In a lot of organization, a lot of uh, regulatory compliance, they require you to engage a third party if there is some security in incident or, uh, 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 investigations that need to be conducted, right? When you engage these third parties, you have to make sure that they are actually part of the, C they, are, they are CMMC level three compliant themselves. Otherwise, you would have to broaden your, uh, your accreditation boundary to include those supply chains. So I thank you for the opportunity to, uh, you know, basically provide you some uh, suggestions. Hopefully they can help you as you journey through the CMMC uh, maze. Thank you, Eno. Um, Matt, sir, floor is yours. Um, so from my point of view, I love GCC. Actually, I love Microsoft right now where they're going from a security point of view. We work with clients on the commercial side um, and they're using the full security suite. So I'm seeing where it's going for us on GCC and GCC high. It's pretty freaking incredible. Um, if you haven't had a chance to play with it on the commercial side, please do so. What I really encourage is, is looking at total cost of ownership and the synergy. Um, you can go out and buy different products. Uh, you can actually use Google. Google does have a, a, a CUI compliant environment, but it's really hard to control the flow of CUI in there. Actually, it's almost impossible. Um, so again, Look at it. I know the bill is expensive, but also look at the labor, the cost, and the headache to try and maintain everything else if you try and do piece parts. And when we've worked with clients on it from that point of view, they ended up just going with GCC or GCC high as appropriate. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Um, big, big fan of GCC, apparently. Big, big fan. Um, uh, Dasha. All right. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, this has been very, very uh, great. Um, all I have to say about TMMC is a lot of us need to go there. It's a big challenge, but uh, take the elephant day by day, hour by hour, put it into small chunks. 
But I think the key thing that I, I would like to say to everybody here, and that's because of our own experiences, have a plan first. Whatever you decide, figure out first, where do you really have your data? Where does the data flow? Where does it really need to flow? And create that enclave that, um, that we've talked about. Try to minimize the exposure. It's, um, it really comes back to need to know, need to have. And if you identify then, then you can build a proper control around it, proper security around it. And once you have that plan, once you have that vision and know where your data is, I think it's gonna be all, a hell of a lot manageable from an implementation rollout and then also from a management perspective. Perfect, awesome. Panel, panel members, I've had a tremendous time conversing with you during this, this uh, webinar. I've really enjoyed the conversation and the information you guys have provided. Thank you for letting me share this, this uh, time with you. With that, I'm gonna to defer to Rob, uh, Stealth CEO, and he's going to, um, I think he's got a question for everybody. I do. First up, I've learned a load and I, I won't say I'm a Microsoft convert. Thanks, Matt, but I'll certainly dig around and, uh, and see, uh, see what can't be done there. But my question is a, is a kind of a more higher, higher arching question. So I'm listening to this and I'm, I'm thinking back to the phrase being compliant doesn't make you secure. So I'm, I'm harking back to my PCI days and, you know, the the, uh, the goal of any decent PCI project manager was to remove as much as possible from scope so that you only had to focus on the, the car processing environment. And that's what you were, you were assessed on. And that's how you got certified. Is there a risk here that we're so focused on FCI CUI that almost the rest of the security considerations for the rest of the organization kind of go by the wayside a bit because we're so laser focused on just this kind of DOD uh, information. Do we care? Does the DOD care? I don't know, that's, I know it's a, a bit of an ethereal question, but I just wanted to, as we got another five or six minutes left, I just wanted to throw that one out there before I say our heartfelt thank yous. Of course, DOD cares, right? You know, that's one of the reporting requirements as a DOD contractor, CMMC or no CMMC, you're required to notify the government, the FBI, as the case may be, if there's an intrusion to any defense industrial base, right? So uh, they care. Uh, the reason why I think we are focusing on GCC high environment uh, for a, uh, creating an enclave instead of the entire company is because some employees, for example, are not necessarily US citizens, right? So, uh, and the CMMC guideline is saying, hey, you know, you have to follow these uh, security protocols. Uh, and uh, so, which may add some of that layer of complexity, right? Because now you have to worry about separation. How do you separate employees that do business with the government, that are involved in do doing business with the government, versus the employees that may be foreign citizen, right? So, uh, you know, so it's, it's those type of challenges uh, make it, uh, uh, I guess, uh, possible to, uh, to uh, embark on the CMMC journey on a, a smaller scale instead of an organization like Boeing, for example, or SAIC, that may have 20,000 people worldwide, some of whom may not be US citizens, right? So, you know, that is the need to make a separation. And for small, smaller organizations that are a little more cost cautious and you want to manage, you want to, you want to stay compliant, right? And, and be able to manage that compliance 
on an annual basis, it, it would make sense for those organizations to consider uh, an enclave that is, uh, let's say, GCC high or a similar environment. From Great answer. I'd say. Yeah, from a compliance standpoint, uh, to, to your question, right? Uh, CMMC is just, for some organizations, CMMC is just an additional requirement. Uh, many uh, many companies that we work with, uh, uh, they they have uh, additional requirements in terms of other agencies. So, for example, NIST 171 or, or ISO 27000 or, or soft tools or hydros for healthcare organizations. So uh, they, in, in that sense, uh, even though they implement CMMC on this side, they still have to maintain those programs and, and keep that information uh, secure as well. So, uh, Sorry. You know, that, so I think that's that's key. Uh, keeping keeping although you're keeping both uh, practices separate, both uh, environments separate, uh, uh, the practices have to have to mirror to each other. Actually, you may have, see additional practices uh, or additional requirements uh, included in other frameworks like PCI, for example. Right. So uh, we are stringent in nature. Yeah, I mean that, that's, that's fair enough to to use that analogy. You know. If, you're, if you need to be PCI compliant, then it could well be that you need to be SOX compliant for certain applications too. So what you're saying is there's a, there's a kind of patchwork of different um, regulations and frameworks that actually mean uh, perhaps being compliant with one of them wouldn't make you secure, but being compliant with more than one um, from an organizational perspective would, uh, would check the relevant boxes. I, I want to make a point, right? So for those organizations that, that are worried about, oh, uh, I have to incur additional costs for CMMC to be CMMC compliant. Guess what? Net Security is a small company. We have to go through FedRAM for our commercial products, right? So on one hand, we have a software that we're trying to do FedRAM assessment on. On the other hand, we have CMMC we have to comply with, right? So it's, it's, uh, it is, you know, it's not always fair, but, uh, you know, those are the rules we have to play with. <laughs> play with. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, David, sorry, over to you. And I would just point out, even if you never had the requirement for CMMC, the core methodology and philosophy of that framework you need in your organization. Going forward, this world's not going to get less secure or uh, less vulnerable. It's going to get more vulnerable. And security will always be a part of your life, both business and personal. We have to have that framework that we have to put these things in place. Just like we have seatbelts in cars, we have locks on our houses. We have to secure a company because with a small business, you get hacked and you get ransomware because you haven't put all the monitoring pieces in, in place and, and backup procedures for your data. You're, you're, you could close your business. I mean, you literally could close your business. So people are looking short-sighted here, I think, from a, a cost perspective versus long-term. Yep, that, that's a lovely segue into, into how I wanted to close. So I think we're pretty much on time. Yes, of course. Compliance yeah. is a snapshot in time. Right. You know. this, this is about maturity. This is actually about culture, the C word, right. the culture of cybersecurity in your organization. So, Robert, um, uh, we've yes. been working with our commercial clients, recommend they follow 800 171. When I look across all the frameworks, it's the best confidentiality protection framework out there. Right. Just change CUI to whatever you want to call your sensitive yep. information, your business. And it is an awesome framework to follow. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. 
on that note, on behalf of Stealth Group and all of our uh, participants and all of our presenters and uh, panelists, thank you so much. We, we hope this has been informative. As I said, there's no sales pitch here. This is literally just about sharing things. Um, this recording will be um, socialized, if you like, on LinkedIn, just so that those that couldn't make it can catch up. Uh, our intention is to have a couple of these every month, specifically to CMMC and just and just look at the, the kind of 17 areas and bulk those into, into areas that make sense to be discussed together. So open invitation to our panelists to join us uh, there. If anyone else wants to be on the panel going forwards, then please let us know. Um, but do look out for those, uh, those future webinars. Um, without further ado, we're bang on time. Thank you sincerely once again. It's, uh, I'd say I've learned a lot. I'm not saying I learned, I knew a lot in the first place, but I know now uh, what I need to go research. So uh, sincere thanks to everyone. We're gonna stop the recording and close the call. Um, if anyone wants our conversations afterwards, then feel free to reach out to anyone on the panel here. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all next time. Take care. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thank you.